This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland. Yes, and uh, sharing some time with Charlie Dobbin this morning. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm really, really good. Dean, tell me. Has the snow melted at your place yet? <laughs> it pretty much has, except I got to tell you, there. <laughs> even though the ski hills are not are not operating anymore, they closed down officially uh, Easter Monday, this past Monday. However, there still is snow on those them hills. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get yeah. your toboggan. Yeah, no, it's it looks they look like like icebergs sort of sitting there, but yeah, it takes them a while. We quite often yeah. see spots of snow on the hill into May sometimes because they really load it on, right? So it's yeah. it's in some spots it's so so deep. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's it's steadily disappearing. No uh, no snow on the property. And I did peruse this morning around, and I got to tell you, we've got uh, lots of stuff coming up. Before I tell Sweet. you the details on that, and I know you have announcements, I do want to give the numbers, mm-hmm. no, though, because we would love for you to call with any questions you have for Charlie. Uh, anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740, or toll-free anywhere in the province of Ontario, it's one 866 Seven four zero four seven four zero, and uh, let Carlos know if you are a first time caller because then we will give you your garden wings, and um, we'd like you to call often, call early, and of course one question per call, please. Looking forward to it, but uh, yeah, I went around the property, got some got some primrose up, I got some nasturtium, got uh, certainly some crocus. Got uh, daffodils. Nasturtium. Hold on, you got nasturtium. Sorry, um, no, not nasturtium. Narcissus. Narcissus, yes. Yeah, that's what I yeah. Not nasturtium. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I have lots of little stuff poking. And, of course, those are the ones that have blooms, mm. right? Uh, lots but of green, I, I'm sure. Yeah, but I have lots of other stuff coming up as well. Neat. Yeah. Well, we will talk more about what's going on in your garden and perhaps in my garden and everybody else's garden. But just a couple of things are going on that are worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, we are at a time of year where a lot of the societies are meeting. And for the first time ever, many of them are meeting in person. So it's pretty exciting. It's a great chance to get out and do face to face interaction with your garden buddies tomorrow. Uh, They haven't met since November 2019. The Greater Toronto Bulb Society, speaking of bulbs, is meeting uh, 1.30 in the afternoon at the Toronto Botanical Garden. That's Lawrence Avenue East and Leslie Street in Toronto. There will be a flower show. So uh, this, again, is a time of year where people bring flowers from home. They set them up as per the rules of the show, and they're aiming to get, you know, awards, ribbons, gold cups, all that sort of stuff. So go immerse yourself in daffodils for sure. There'll be lots of those at the Toronto Botanical Gardens tomorrow. Um, Also coming up Monday, May 9th, that ever busy Agent Court Garden Club is meeting. (coughs) Excuse me. 
they are uh, celebrating the 70th anniversary of the club. So that's a pretty big day. There'll be great desserts for those of you that love desserts. And again, it's an in-person event. Again, there'll be a flower show. And at 7.30 p.m., Jackie Mora will be presenting herbs and flowers in unusual containers. As you know, they meet at the Knox United Christian Education Center, which is 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd in the in Toronto or, or Asian Court, I guess is exactly where it is. And another celebration to quickly mention is yesterday was Earth Day. I don't know about you, but I was out and about here in Prince Edward County and I I saw cleanup crews, volunteers out in the ditches, picking up garbage, filling up green garbage bags. And probably you saw the same thing in your area because there are always amazing people out cleaning up on Earth Day all over the world, but here in Canada. Um, the East York Rotary Club wanted to me to mention that they do have an event today cleaning up the Don River Basin down at the bottom there. Uh, they're also planting trees. This is a their big process, a big sort of thing for them is to plant, I don't know, a million trees or something in the next five years. So eastyorkrotary.org for more information if you'd like to get involved in that. That sounds fabulous. Uh, lots and lots of announcements, as you say. Uh, listen, have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll have more announcements, more chat, and more calls here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. Dean Holland and Charlie Dobbin, the yeah. goddess of the garden. Yes. <laughs> you. you know, uh, we uh going to give those numbers out again. Uh, Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 740 The uh, lines have been lighting up, so we're going to go to our first caller, who is uh, from Creamore, Steve. And Steve is a first-time caller. How are you this morning, my friend? I'm good. Good. Here are your wings. Good morning. Well, so exciting, Charlie. Um, what do you got there for Charlie, Steve? So here, here's here's my question. I have a, a large uh, flower garden. It's around sixty foot long. At the back of it, uh, it's all trellised, and I have planted it with. Um, clematis and roses and it's a bit of a mystery because some of the clematis does incredibly well but at one end of the garden uh, it it doesn't do well and uh, it backs onto behind the garden is a pine forest so I think the soil is acidic uh, and that might have something to do why that might have something to do with the fact that some of the clematis is incredibly healthy and some of it not so much. And um, so I bought some dolomite and I've got a, a soil testing. But maybe, Charlie, you can give me some advice uh, and clarification on acidic soil and clematis, etc. Mm. Uh, okay, so off the t generally speaking, most of our garden plants do best. And this includes vegetables, flowers, just 
under neutral. So 6.7, 6.8 kind of pH is usually optimal. Uh, in the case of a pine forest, you're probably going to find that your soil is going to come in at a lower number than that. And that's where your dolomitic limestone will help raise the pH temporarily, of course. It's not a long-term fix, but it, it does work temporarily. The other thing I was thinking is um, two things about clematis. One is the sort of the best way to be successful with clematis or clematis is to have what we say the um, ankles or the feet or the roots of the plants should be shaded, whereas the top of the plant or the head of the plant should be growing up into the sun. So is it possible that some of your clematis is better shaded at the base and sunnier at the top than others that you have planted along that big, long bed? No. Uh, no. The answer to that is no. Because I have plants in, in lots of plants in front of the clematis, mm -hmm. and on the on the one end, which is problematic, which is only about four or five feet. But I must have planted about five clematis plants there. For some mm -hmm. reason, they they die off. In the, that the rest spot, of the bed, they do beautifully. Oh. Especially okay, so the other clematis. thing I find with clematis or clematis is that people often get impatient. That one year, two years, they're going, ah, I'm going to move this plant. It's not happy. So they move it. And then one year, two years, same thing. Ugh, got to move this plant. It's not happy. So do allow it to be the plant to become established. Give it at least three years before you give up. And then the other thing I was thinking is, remember, there's different, what we call them, um, there's a whole series of clematis that bloom at different times. So we prune them at different times based on their blooming time. So in short, do you, you, did you keep all the tags of the different, you know, which clematis is which or clematis is which? Uh, well, I've got some, actually, I've got quite a variety, so I, I've kind of lost them. By the way, this clematis bed is, uh, is about 15, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. So, so some are huge. Yeah. Some of it's spectacular. But just on the one end, it just seems that nothing wants to grow. I can't understand it. Well, like you said, do that soil test. See if you'll learn anything from that with what you've got to test with. Uh, it might be a pH issue. Uh, you can always take the soil test up a notch and send your soil sample off to one of the labs at the universities. There's one in Guelph that will, will test that soil for you and give you an indication of what you need to do for optimal clematis growth. Uh, I just quickly Googled your pH, your, your preference clematis prefers 6.5 to 7, so 7 being being neutral and 6.5 being slightly acidic so um so aim for that and okay. um and yeah i think you're right go look at look at the soil uh, the other thing would be consider growing something else for a change in there putting some scarlet runner beans for a change like an annual vine sweet uh, sweet peas something like that just try something different in that spot this year if uh, if the clematis isn't making it and give it a give that area a bit of a rest before you go back to what sounds like a gorgeous garden thanks oh, for calling beautiful. steve yeah thanks Steve, you have right. a great day. I know that's okay. a challenge, eh? Yeah, that's is. a big question. I don't have a short answer. <laughs> and is it a tomato tomato thing? Clematis, clematis? Uh, well, no, he was right, calling it clematis. It's uh, it's properly pronounced clematis from the Greek word klemma to climb, because clematis is a climber. Okay, clematis, got it. Clematis, we have to take a, We have clematis. to take a. We have to take a short break, but we will be right back with more calls here on the Garden Show.
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and I get giddy every time I hear that list of plants, <laughs> you know, because I know they're coming, and I have a neighbor who has glorious foxgloves. Oh, nice. Just like, just really, really, really nice. Now, before the break, you mentioned uh, soil testing at in mm-hmm. Guelph. Is that correct? Well, Guelph is one of the accredited soil testing labs. Uh, if you literally just Google Ontario accredited soil testing labs, it yeah. comes up. There's about six of them. So Ottawa, there's two in Guelph. I think there's one down sort of Windsor way. There's not a lot. You you basically, but but you send them an email or phone them. They'll send you a package on how to collect your sample, yeah. where to send it, what it costs. You can choose different levels of testing. Okay. Well, we are going to Guelph right now. As there you it were, go. we're going to talk to uh, Martha. Good morning, Martha. Oh, hi. Uh, Morning. Um, Yes, about three or four years ago, I got some pussy uh, willows that somebody was throwing out, so I planted them in my garden. And they never did have pussy willows, but beautiful, tiny little leaves. And I really don't know what happened, but some of the branches either fell off or got cut off accidentally. So what I did is I just stuck them into a pot with earth last fall. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, this <laughs> spring, there were pussy willows. Mm-hmm. And um, when I pulled the stem out, there were no roots, but they looked perfectly healthy. Yeah. Is there some way to root these pussy willows? I've got probably about 20 stems. And they okay, all so, look healthy. All right, Some so just let me intervene on what you're saying. Unless are... you live on a 100-acre property, you do not want to plant all of those. Oh. Each, <laughs> each one of those stems is, if you didn't ever prune it and you plant it in your garden, <clears throat> each one of those plants wants to be 10 feet tall and 10 feet wide and will get there in about five years. <clears throat> So, is there some I was, reason why, after like three or four years, they only had these little leaves on them? Okay, well, think about how these work. The leaves come after the buds, and the buds should be on the plants now. And what's cool, why we call them pussy willows, is because of the buds on this plant are furry little, they're like little rabbit's toes. So they're right. furry little buds. So they're called pussy willows for that reason. But they are not particularly attractive plants. They get green leaves and they're, you know, yellow in the fall, drop mm-hmm. all their leaves, give you those pretty buds in the spring. But they get very big and are considered quite invasive. They like a moist spot. So if you have a moist, low-lying area in your garden, take one of those stems. Well, what you could do is leave the stems in whatever pot you've got them in. In the next couple of weeks, roots will grow if they haven't grown yet. Just make sure that the stems are down deep enough into the pot so that a couple of the bumps along the stem, called nodes, are under the soil, and that's where the roots will grow from. Once you've got roots, 
just pop them, you know, transplant them out into your garden, keeping in mind the size that these plants want to get to. So oh, don't so, don't regret so it. Don't put I them too close to the front door or anything. These roots, or not the root, but these stems into the mm-hmm. pot. I just thought, mm-hmm. well, I don't really know what to do with them. I'll just <laughs> yeah. stick them in there, and I thought they'd yeah. be dead. But I was the They're most surprised tough. person that they had pussy willows on them in the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they will. Once they're happening, settled in, they will give you into consistent. the ground at the back. Yeah, go for and it. But I, you could just stick them in without roots, or you could wait to get some roots and then plant them. Either way, willows yeah, no, are the it's easiest fairly, plants to grow. Uh, there is a sun in the afternoon, but um, it there's a cedar hedge in behind there, so uh, it's it tends to be a little damp. Perfect. Willows love it. Okay, good luck on that there. Uh, there so, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Martha. Okay, we are going to... I think her name to... was Marita. Oh. Uh, Whatever. Okay. We well, can't we are read our screens. Go... We're no, we are going to go to uh, Sophie now. Sophie in uh, Hamilton. She's on the line there. Good morning, Sophie. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. How is everyone? I hope you're all doing well. Oh, yeah, Charlie. Exactly. What do you got for Charlie there, Sophie? Charlie, hi. Um, hey. Is it too late to treat the crabgrass? I have oh, a you know what? Um, That's a great question. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, did you buy some of that corn gluten meal fertilizer? Yes, I have. Yes, so you get out there and you put it on today. Oh, I can do that today. Okay. I think so. I mean, where I am, I can still do it today. You might be a little warmer than me. What do? Is there any forsythia, the yellow flowering shrub, on your property or your neighbor's? Um, I don't have any, no. Uh, that's why I was wondering, because I haven't yeah. seen any around anywhere that oh. are blooming. Right. So that's why you still have time. They're, they're okay. everywhere. Um, at my house, they are not in full bloom yet, but they are about half bloom. So we're, you and I might be pretty close in terms of what's going on in our gardens. So you still have time. The idea is get it on the ground, get it spread at the level, you know, at the amount they want you to spread it at. It actually goes on quite thick. And it's yellow and it's weird and people get a bit freaked out because it's bright yellow. It is a corn uh, byproduct. So that's why it's yellow. And uh, it does work to stop the crabgrass seeds from growing, from germinating. However, it also stops all seeds from germinating. So don't use it in any areas where you're hoping to do some overseeding of your lawn because you'll be wasting your time. You can't do both. You have to allow a six-week interval between corn gluten today and six weeks from now, you can overseed if you wish to. But for now, it's get that corn gluten out while it can still be effective. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, um, yeah. Thank you very I much, have, Sophie. That's a great, uh, perfect timing for that question. Yeah, good, good, good. Um, I'm going to give those numbers out again. Uh, 416-360-0740 if you are in Toronto or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. It is a toll-free call, one 740 We're going to uh, Markham now. I have Elaine on the line. Good morning and welcome to the Garden Show, Elaine. Morning to both of you there. Good morning. Yeah, um, I have a very odd thing, at least I think it's odd. I've had lots of orchids, and this one has sprouted leaves 12 inches or 15 inches up the stem. <laughs> Okay, so this is where we we look to our orchid specialists, uh, and it's probably a baby. It's uh, so. 
part way up the stem? Is it got a, then there's a little stem and some leaves? The leaves come off the main stem. Oh, interesting. That is interesting. You should take a picture and send it to me. <laughs> I'd like to see I, that. I thought, oh, it's, it's a flower, you know, opening, <laughs> starting. Uh, oh, okay, so that's, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it could be a flower stem for sure. But it's three leaves. Three leaves. Um, it, it's, okay, so orchids are, are pretty clever. You're obviously giving some good conditions for these plants because orchids like high humidity. They're used, they're rainforest plants originally. So if you're giving them kind of dappled light, fairly high humidity, uh, you know, a warm environment, not too warm, but a warm environment, uh -huh. they are probably just happily growing, the, you know, the main plants, but also because it's spring, saying, oh my gosh, it's spring, and starting to think about uh, offsets or daughter plants. And that, I assume that that's what's going on on your plant right now. Does it, is it going to get all top heavy, do you think? I probably... <laughs> these well, leaves now are about um, three inches out and like it's okay. a group of three huh well okay so you're in Markham uh -huh. um, my uh, my suggestion is I mean we've had you know we've had on our show um, uh, you know an orchid specialist who runs the company Orchids in Our Tropics and that's Terry Kennedy. She knows everything about orchids. She's located in Gormley, so just north of you. Uh -huh. You might want to consider contacting her. Uh, she'll give you the best advice uh, or set up an appointment to visit her or send her a photograph. So the, the website is, the, the company is called Orchids in Our Tropics, Our Hobby Gone Wild. Our Hobbies Gone Wild. Because her and her husband, Doug, are wild and crazy orchid collectors who had to move to a bigger house to fit all their orchids. <laughs> that's a bit, that's crazy. My I goodness. Yeah. I know, they're serious hobbyists. So, But they really do know their orchids. So they grow, they propagate, they sell, they show, they're big in the orchid societies, uh, travel all over the world. So they're, they're very cool people when it comes to orchid specials. So Eileen, you know, if, if you can take a photograph, I would. You can send it to me or, like I said, Terry would be happy to take a peek as well. Okay. And if you want to send it to Charlie there, her uh, email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Okay. Okay, thank you. Buddy. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks for that. It's hard for me to envision exactly what's going on there. Of course, yeah. So this is something I, I haven't seen come down the pipeline very often. It says here on the, we have a caller oh. from Nova Scotia. Nice. We have, uh, we have Nancy on the line, and she's a first-time caller as well. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. Good morning. I've got your, got your garden wings all the way from Ontario here. <laughs> there you go. Welcome to the show. Today. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi there. What's going Hi. on in your place? Hi. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Can you okay. hear us? All right. So, uh, Charlie, I had a question, please. Um, originally from Ontario and a whole different set of circumstances when it comes to um, any kind of gardens or anything here. But in particular, my my biggest problem right now is we have about three acres, and there's one area in particular that's quite steep. Um, I guess you could probably call it a lawn, I suppose, if you were stretching it, but it's just a lot of hawkweed and, and, and weeds. We still have to mow, but it's very difficult to mow because of the, the decline. And I'm wanting to, uh, I think, I'm wanting to put white clover in there, thinking that I won't have to mow it 
and it will be easier to control. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could tell me if I am able to get the the clover and if I spread it, uh, do I mix it in soil and spread it or just spread the seed or do I have to get rid of whatever is there and start fresh? Okay, great question. Uh, white clover is a good choice. <clears throat> You're right, you do not technically need to mow it and it will flower and it's very, very supportive of pollinators. So it's a, it's just alive with buzzing once it's flowering midsummer. I'm assuming your slope uh, faces a sun to the south or the west or somewhere where there'll be sufficient sunlight. Yes, definitely. Okay. All right, so what I would do is now, early in the spring, get out your mower and mow that lawn that those weeds and whatever's there as short as you possibly can like lower the mower down as low as it goes and get it cut as short as you can Uh, you can purchase white clover seeds you should be able to get it right there in your local garden centers or your agricultural supply stores co-op that sort of thing Uh, white clover you'll need a sufficient quantity obviously to seed the entire slope i would not try and uh, like kill everything that's out there but what you do need to do is you need to get those clover seeds um, in contact with the soil of the slope so that's how those seeds will grow if there's contact so your idea of mixing in soil um i have seen people do that where they'll just kind of you know almost like a a bushel basket throw in some nice uh, quality soil throw in some seed mix it around and then walk out and and broadcast it like you're feeding the chickens on the slope and then walk the slope because again you're going to use your feet somebody with big feet preferably to, okay. to do that step, stepping on the seeds to get them right down to soil level. And and actually, the, having the short growth of the weeds, et cetera, will help stabilize those seeds when it rains so that they won't all slide down the slope. So it's not a bad thing to have that growth there. The idea is to get the, the clover growing and it will outgrow whatever's there. It's a very, you know, it's a, it's a good, tough, fast-growing plant. And once it's established, nothing can can get in amongst it. So it's a very, very good choice. Okay, and is it something that you need to replenish every so often, or once shouldn't it's going, have to? Should no, no, no. Because once once you've got it growing, mm-hmm. like I mean, I here at my place, I've got um, an area where I planted clover, and any one clover plant, even after only two years, is about a meter by a meter by the end of the summer. And oh you can gosh, see okay, that now in the great. spring because you can see where, because it all died back, obviously, in the winter, but I can see where the green is coming up. So the plants are fairly far apart, but it's all going to fill in. Super. Okay. All right. That, good luck. That's, that's a great idea. Hoping. Thanks for calling. And you know what we say? Don't be a stranger. <laughs> Exciting to get a call from Nova Scotia. I'm guessing that uh, that Nancy might be listening online. Of course, you can do that by going to, uh, to zoomerradio.ca. That's right. And then listen live. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to take a quick break now. We have more callers on the line. We will be right back with more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here with more on The Garden Show, and we have callers on the line, but I do want to give those numbers out one more time. 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. Or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We are going 
to Milton now. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Good morning. 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 What do you got there for Charlie? I have a question on pruning. Um, I have a driveway which I have uh, several different bushes uh, along the edge. And um, I asked a a gardener, I guess, um, if he would prune them for me. Um, He has suggested that we cut them all right back. And I always thought that you only had to cut a third off of a bush in in a year. Um, Who is right? (laughs) Okay, so good question. Um, Do you have any idea, are they all the same kind of bush or are they different kinds of shrubs? No, they're different kinds of bush. Um, I have a forsythia, two, uh, two or three smoke bushes. Um, I think it's a, a and, and two burning bushes, and mm. I think it's a golden elder and a wajila, and I believe mm. it's a sand cherry. Wow! So that is a lot, and that is a lot of different shrubbery. Are have, they've been there for a number of years? I assume. Oh yes, I've been in a number of years. I, and I know this one of the smoke smoke bushes need to be cut down because it's gone at least. 12, 14 feet. Yeah, I was going to say, some of those get very large. Even one burning bush can get, believe it or not, uh, about 12 to 16 feet tall and wide if it's allowed to. So that's just one burning bush. Um, So your question is one third versus cutting right down to the bottom. There are different techniques that we use to prune depending on what we're trying to achieve. When we take any shrub at all. It could be a forsythia, it could be a purple sand cherry, and we cut it right down to about four inches tall. That is called rejuvenation pruning. So that's where you you literally take 90% of the plant away or 95% away. If the plant is healthy, that that pruning can happen early in the spring or late in the fall, never midsummer, because you'll kill it if you do this midsummer, but early in the spring or late in the fall, cutting a shrub right down, super low, four to six inches tall, will rejuvenate it in the sense that all new growth will come up from the root and it'll be just like a brand new little plant. And so it's very effective when plants are extremely overgrown. Uh, this we do, we do this with hedges all the time, privet hedges that get completely overgrown and all woody and old, old growth in there, mm-hmm. very little um, foliage cut it all down to the ground level and it all comes up nice and green and fat and juicy and dense and looking like it should. So, but that, so that's perhaps why this person has suggested you do this. If you did that with all those plants, like a forsythia, for example, or the purple sand cherry, if you cut them all down today, you will not get any flowers this year, but you will get flowers next year. So when you do this uh, hard pruning, we do give up, Um, the ornamental value of those plants for that season. So that's something to consider. Uh, A burning bush, I would never cut right down if I could avoid it. Uh, I would be more selectively pruning that plant. But the others that you mentioned, Wajila, all of those plants can be pruned right down for a rejuvenation. It's fast. It's a fast way to deal with them. Otherwise, it's selective pruning, and that can take hours. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, basically, I wouldn't get any um, bush back this year very much. 
Well, you'll get stems and leaves, but you will not get flowers on the ones that are early bloomers. So right. things like forsythia, purple sand cherry, the, the flower buds are on them now. If you cut them down, you cut away all the flower buds. Any of the ones you mentioned, like Wajila, you will get some flowers later in the summer. Um, if you have hydrangea in there, you'll get flowers later. Uh, butterfly bush, you'll get flowers later. So it just depends when they naturally bloom. Okay. Um, Thanks for the call there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks for the call, Don. Uh, Going to go to uh, Hamilton now. We have uh, I have Lonnie on the line. Uh, welcome to the Garden oh, Show, Lonnie. Yeah. Morning. I'm calling about my amaryllis. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Lonnie. <laughs> yes, my name's Lonnie Starr. How are you? <laughs> we're we're I lovely. Amaryllis and What's going on all, in your garden? Uh, <laughs> it went all to uh, great. It had four leaves on it two feet long and what i did is i just i held them straight up in the air and i cut them off about an inch tall and a month ago and now it's putting up a great big bloom oh funny well you you stressed it to such an extent that it is responded by putting up a flower that often when we stress plants they flower which is unusual. Most people think you have to look after and coddle their plants to make them flower. But it's like, you know, you kind of like you kicked it across the room when you did that. And it just went, oh, my gosh. And it's putting up a flower. Yeah, it's putting <laughs> up a big flower. Nice. But don't so, cut off the next set of leaves. I read every, nice. I get the Hamilton paper and I read articles in the paper and none of them ever talked about what you do after it blooms and everything. So... Yeah. Well, um, listen to listen know, to this. The leaves when are it, normal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I want to get it back into bloom because it had a terrible bloom when I first got it. It only had about a four-inch stalk and a couple of blooms, so yeah. I just kept watering it and fertilizing it, and right. and it okay. put up big leaves that's and that. So yeah. I just. That's right, and that fertilizer and that water is feeding those big leaves, but you want those big leaves to grow, and you want that plant to be in a sunny window so that the leaves can rejuvenate the bulb for the next Mm -hmm. season flower. So next time it sends up a bunch of leaves after this flower, it will send leaves. Do not cut them off. Let them grow. I know it's not a very pretty plant. It's kind of gangly and loosey-goosey. It takes up a lot of room. You can put it outside once we're frost-free. Let those leaves grow. Water as necessary. Fertilize once a month at the most. And and be prepared to leave it outside until the end of August. You'll bring it inside, put it in the basement, and stop stop watering. Okay, good luck with that, uh, with that, Lonnie. And uh, yeah, call us back in December and let us know how the (laughs) amaryllis is going. (laughs) Um, uh, You're going to write the book, eh? Dean's going to write the book on amaryllis now. Well, I've got a bell for first-time callers, and I'm going to get one of those air horns for anybody that calls in with amaryllis questions. (laughs) I'm no, I do love them because it's a good question. How do we keep it going? I'm doing the same thing Lonnie is. I'm trying to keep mine going till the next year. So yeah, of course. Uh, Let me see. I have to take. Unfortunately, I have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. i got a couple more callers to get to, so we'll be right back here with more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Indeed, the Garden Show is back. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. Charlie, we have our work ahead of us. We have a, get in, a couple of callers <laughs> in. We're going to Burlington. We've got John on the line. First time caller. What do you got there? Just a second, John. There you go. Whoa. There's your wings. <laughs> There's your ears blasted off. There you go. What do you got there, John? <laughs> Welcome um, to the show, John. Excuse me. Just wondering when the proper time to tr- trim or prune uh, uh, cedar hedges, full grown. I- yeah. Okay. So what I do is I wait until they are actively growing, which is usually early June, depending on the spring. And when they're actively growing, we can prune them no more than a third, remember. And why I do it then is because wherever I've done my pruning cuts, the plant will grow over those blunt cuts because it is in active growth. And so it looks nice for the rest of the summer and all winter. The timing again? Cutting it? June. June when it's actively growing. Oh, act actively in June, eh? Uh, this yeah. is full grown. There, you know, there is basically a trim. They are, yeah. um, gosh, five six feet tall. Yeah, no, it's a good time to do it when they're this size. You've got to control them now. Yeah. Take off the top to make them wider. Take off the sides to make them tidy. And remember, you want them wider at the base and narrower at the top of the hedge. And narrow at the top, and uh, in June. Yeah. Okay, fine. Thank you very, very thanks, much. Thanks, John. Okay. Right. Yeah, thanks for your call there, John. Uh, going to jump right over to Hagersville. We have Nancy, who's been very patiently waiting on the line. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Good. Good. What do you got for Charlie there, Nancy? I have a stephanosis, mm-hmm. and it's about 10 years old. It's in a 8-inch pot. Mm-hmm. I don't know, my stone. I kind of lost you. Oh, no, I'm here. I hear you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ten years old, eight-inch pot. I'm, I'm, I've repotted at least a couple times over the years. I wondered if the leaves are, I've lost almost all the leaves. They go yellow and drop off. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling, I know it's root-bound, mm-hmm. but I didn't know when I replant it, can I take off some of the roots or try and spread them out? Do you want the plant to be bigger, or is it in a spot where you want to keep it fairly under control? Fairly under control. Okay, so just remember when you pot, when you take a plant and you put it in a bigger pot, then you encourage the plant to get bigger. Uh-huh. So if you're having issues with it now and you can see roots growing out the bottom, what I would do is I would water it thoroughly, let it sit, let the water drain, let it dry down a bit overnight. Then take the, the whole root ball out of the pot, put it aside, scrub the pot it's in now. I assume it's in a pot with drainage holes, yes. the eight-inch pot. Scrub it really thoroughly with a brush so there's no leftover salt or debris in the pot. Meanwhile, you've got some fresh potting soil available. Mm-hmm. So back, back to that little plant that's sitting on the newspaper. With your fingers, comb out some of the mm-hmm. existing soil. You can definitely trim back some of the leaves, no more, sorry, some of the roots, no more than a third can mm-hmm. be trimmed back. But yes, you can trim those back. And then take that plant with the smaller root ball back into the same pot with fresh soil around it. Make sure it goes into a sunny location. Make sure it's watered once after you transplant it or replant it. And um, it should not have dropped all its leaves. It's uh, it's a great plant. Does it flower for you? It has. Yeah, it's super sweet. I mean, it's so fragrant. Um, but, yeah, keep an eye. I mean, 
Yeah, just inspect always when we're handling our plants, we're inspecting, we're making sure there's no unwanted little insects in there or, you know, critters. So just, you know, inspect closely. But for sure, good quality, fresh potting soil will probably make a huge difference for that plant. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much for your question there, Nancy. Yeah, good question. Uh, We got time to jump on one more call. Uh, Do we have, yeah, if we have one more call, let's do it. Let's go to London. Yeah, London. We've got Adam on the line. Uh, What do you got there for Charlie there, Adam? Hi, good morning. Uh, We just moved here last fall. I've got something I couldn't grow when we uh, moved from Caledon, which is butterfly bushes. Nice. But they're, they're bone dry. Oh, what you mean this oh the plant right so it's still early it's been a long cold spring if the winter caused the entire top of the plant the bush to die the root could very much still be alive so leave them alone just i personally don't touch the butterfly bush until i start to see some green growth you could see green buds starting right down at the bottom at ground level or you could see buds halfway up you never see or very rarely ever see green buds at the tips so you're gonna have to prune but wait until you see some green and then prune down to the green Okay, I think I think we actually lost that gentleman, but hopefully That's he okay. heard he heard right. the answer there. Yeah, Good. and hopefully so, people know they can always listen to the podcast, right? Absolutely, they can listen again. Now we have some exciting things happening next week because, of course, this time of year, especially, it is really, really, really difficult for us to get to any emails because we have so many callers during right. the show. Absolutely and so true. next week, drum roll, what are we going to do there, Charlie? Well, next week, due to circumstances beyond our control, we will not be broadcasting live as we are this week. Instead, we have an email show for everyone to just sit back with your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, relax, listen to next week's show. You don't have to sit on hold. You don't have to scramble to try and get onto the show to ask your question. Instead, listen to the answers to your questions you may have emailed in or other people's questions, because this time next week, I will be on an airplane. So I will not be available to be doing the show with you, Dean, uh, next Saturday between 9 and 10. I miss you dearly. No, me too. And and I am not the one to take the calls. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you can't do it alone. No, and I, I cannot. I want to, uh, to leave you <laughs> hanging with all these questions. So instead, we've, we've been preemptive. I'm on a plane heading down to Mexico, which is quite exciting. We are continuing to uh, uh, produce more episodes of the documentary series called Healing Gardens. And I know everybody's saying, when can I see that show? Well, that show is going to launch very shortly. I'm expecting to be able to make an announcement on that in the next week or two. But And that will be on Vision Television. So it's a wonderful series of episodes on how gardens heal us. Mm-hmm. So we are heading to Mexico to do two more episodes. And I will be on a plane next week. So not available. But the following Saturday, you and I will do this again uh, just like we're doing now, but Absolutely. I'll be in sunny, humid, hot Mexico, and you'll be in green, blooming Collingwood. Yeah, and you don't have to keep telling me that you will be Thanks, in Mexico. Dean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for all, all your help. Can't do any of this without you. Thanks, Carlos. Couldn't do it without you either. And our great callers and emailers. See you all again in two weeks. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.